Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Man, God is good. I love it. How many of you remember the A-team? I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> and with God, His plan always comes together. It always comes together. And you know what? His plan comes together through us. God, God's plan was us from the start. And that's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus had to suffer. And that's why He had to be resurrected for us to be empowered. And uh, I'm gonna, I don't want to run ahead of my sermon this morning. But I've got a short sermon. Why? Because what is, else there, what is there else to say about one of the most powerful, most significant things that has ever happened in the history of earth and the history of human existence? What is more powerful than a day when Christ came and He defeated everything? Now, there's no kids' church this morning and we're going to be quick and we're going to have communion together. And then afterwards, Kiran brought some Easter eggs and, and we're going to have some fun together. So stick around and have coffee with us because that's what, what it's all about. And we're going to have some fun together um, and just some fellowship. Now this morning, I want to speak about three things. And it's going to be a very quick three things because it's something that's, that God has arrested my heart with love. And every time I start speaking about this, I want to cry because there is something about the love of Christ that we haven't seen. And we were sitting on Friday, Friday morning at church in Strand and, and Sean was sharing this powerful message. And if you go to Kingdom Light Church's uh, Facebook page and go and listen to his sermon, and just the power of that was so significant. Ask the people who were there. And, but after the sermon, he asked me and Dave, his dad, to, um, to pray for each and everyone. And we took time to pray for each and everyone in church. And the band played, and we just went from person to person, and we prayed. And, and, and to be honest, can I just be real this morning? <laughs> when I sat through the service, the, the sermon was great. The worship was fantastic, but I wasn't feeling it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in your life that you're sitting in church and it's like, mm, I'm, I'm not feeling it this morning. I'm, I'm I the only one, probably. <laughs> and as soon as I started praying for people, God's love started touching me. But in such a degree that, that it was snot and trana. But it wasn't a love that I experienced. It was a love that God had for those people, for each and every one. And if I look at each and every one of you this morning, I see God's love for you. I see God's love for you, that love that He had when He hung on that cross, that love that He had when He walked out of that grave, the love that He had when He walked into, into Hades, that love that He had that's compelling Him even today to have a relationship with us. And I want to encourage us today when you look at each other. Look around quickly around you. I know we can do that. Look at each other. You know everyone and most of us, I see some smiles. But when we look at each other, I see Jesus. I see Jesus in you. I just see Jesus in you. I see his love on, on you. I see his love on us. 
You see, people can say what they want. And they can search for the greatest revelation on earth. But the greatest revelation there is, they can find, but the greatest there is, is what that, that His love for us was that compelled Him to endure the cross. It was His love for us. It was His love for you, for me. It was His love that compelled Him so much that He endured everything on the cross. And when I look at people, I ask God on Friday morning, I said, Father, may I every time when I look at someone, if I know them or not, may I see your love on them? Do you know that it can be the darkest, unsaved atheist in the world? God still loves him. He still loves her. It can be the, uh, the most... It can be the individual who suffered the most and anybody has suffered ever. God's love is still on him. His love is never changing. It is always the same. It is always, always the same. I want to encourage you this morning as I speak to, to trust God that his love will touch you this morning. And that his love will touch you in such a degree that when you look at others that you would feel his love for them as you feel his love for you it was his love that compelled him to the cross it was his love for us now Hebrews 12 verse 2 maybe my wife can help me Hebrews 12 verse 2 in the B part of that scripture and the passion translation says his example is this I love this because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his He's talking about you. Maybe you can put your name in there. That Henny would be his. That Johan would be his. That um, Vivian would be his. That any one of us would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humili humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Your name, your face, your heart was in his mind. Isn't that powerful? You see, the joy that Paul speaks about is the, door, the joy of our salvation. To truly know God, our Savior. Truly know Him. You see, with, with what empowered Jesus was the happiness, the pleasure, the joy we would forever share together with Him. That empowered Him to go through the agony and the pain. Every time you open your Bible, when you pray, when you don't feel it, he still have joy in heaven that I, mean, I can't wait. Ben is about to spend time with me. Sorrel is about to open the Bible and pray. Man, I can't wait. There is joy. There is a waiting. I can't wait to spend time with him. That is the joy that Paul spoke about. And that's the joy he felt before he willingly opened his arms on that cross for that Spikers, <laughs> the nails, the nails to penetrate his hands. You see, Jesus couldn't have remained, he could have remained in heaven with God, with the angels. But he chose us as the joy that was set before him. Isn't that beautiful? He set the joy before him, said, I don't care what's going to, yes, he, he cried, he was sad in that garden, he sweat the blood, but when he stood up there, there was joy set before him that said he saw every face 
on earth that was what that was and was still to come that says for them for you i'm about to do this and it will be so significant that no one in the history of this earth in heaven and on earth can change it forever that is how significant thing he did for us see he desired relationship with us so much that he laid down his deity his godship for us everything for us romans 5 verse 8 says while we will still sinners while we still are sinners or were sinners while we were still sinners he died for us he died for us you see his pursuit for our affection was so strong that he chose not to see our weaknesses and our failures why because he knew what we would become he knew Maybe he's a sinner today, but I know that is what I'm called him or her to become. Isn't that powerful? See, when I see my friends who's not saved, if I see people who's not saved, who doesn't know God, there's a cry in my heart that says, if you only can know the joy that he had for you when he hung on that cross and for what he planned for you in your life still to come, why miss it? Get into it. Get into that bus. Jump into that boat so that God can show you what He is about to do. You see, God could see from the beginning of time who and what we would become. He knew. When I was a professional runner, that's all I wanted to be. I wanted to run professionally. I wanted to travel the world. I want to have the biggest contracts. And then I want to become a professional coach. And it's all I wanted to do. And God said, man, it's amazing. I enjoy you enjoying it, but that's not what I called you. <laughs> that's not what I called you. And when I wake up this morning and mornings and when I stand in front of a pulpit, when I speak to people, when I encourage my favorite moments when I can sit one-on-one -on -one with people and encourage them and show them the heart of God. You see, in church, it has got everything to do with what happens in front of the pulpit, not behind in front of the pulpit. What happens in your hearts today is what God is about. He loves us. He wants more of us. Romans 5, 8, while I was still a sinner, while I'm still messing up, while I still did all the stupid stuff, He still loved me. He still loved me. And the cross was still significant for me. See, God's love was so intense that he gave the best he could give to settle the sin, the, the debt of sin. To settle that debt. See, if I have a debt with any of you, say 100 rand, Saul comes and he gives me 100 rand. I've got a debt of 100 rand. See, so he borrows it to me. So what I do is then I go next month, I write a check. Well, we don't write checks. I do an EFT of 10,000 rand to Saul. Because I, I have debt that I need to pay. What would he say? No, don't be crazy. That's way too much. You only owe me 100 rand. And then I would say, you know what? I just want to make sure that I overpay my debt so that no one can come again and say you have a debt to pay. That's what God did. So I'm sending your, my son so that I'm overpaying the debt that there is for sin so much that nobody ever can come again and say there is debt that you need to pay. 
Ooh, that sin that you did, you need to pay for that. Sorry, it's already paid for. It's already paid for. You just need to step over that sex. Lord, I repent. I give you everything. And then suddenly that wave of grace and goodness and mercy comes and floods your life. You see, nothing demonstrated God's love more powerfully than the cross. Nothing. Nothing. And Jesus wasn't forced to die. He wasn't overpowered, outnumbered, or tricked into dying on a cross. No, he chose the cross. Because he loved you, and he loved me, and he loved every person on this earth. Jesus' passionate love for us took him to the cross. It took him to the cross. Listen to what Scripture says. And may this echo in your heart this morning. Psalm 139, 13 says, As he knit you together, he loved you. Before you could choose him, he chose you. Before you could choose him. When you were broken, bitter, blaming others, he made you whole and showed you the sweet taste of forgiveness. 1 Peter 1, 3. Psalm 90, verse 4. When you were too busy with the cares of this world, He interrupted you to show you what is eternal. Luke 15, when you were lost, He found you. He rescued you and showed you that His mercy and justice will prevail in your life. Romans 8.28, and all these are paraphrased. When you were disappointed, He taught you that disappointments can bring you to the appointment he ordained. He appointed you to be where you are because he ordained you to love him. Every person on this earth are ordained and chosen to meet and know God. None of us are singled out. None of us are made and created to go to hell. All of us are created to know him intimately. See, Paul said, we can experience the love of God, but it is just too great to fully understand. Paul said that. He met Christ on the road to Damascus. He saw the fullness and the fullness of His glory. And still he says, it is so great that you can't fully understand it. It's impossible. Now, if you look at the cross, and yes, we've celebrated the cross on Friday. See, it is the universal symbol of Christianity. All religions have symbols. But there's only one religion that is true. And the symbol for Christianity is the cross. Now, Paul called the, the gospel the message of the cross. Paul also preached Christ crucified. He referred to the cross so many times in his gospels. So let's ask the question then. With such an emphasis with what Jesus did on the cross, why is it really all that important that he rose again from the dead? Why? When the cross was so significant, why was it so significant that he had to walk out of that grave? Now we all know the gospel message didn't stop at the cross. <laughs> we all know that. You see, Jesus died for our sins on the cross and took every, penny, uh, every punishment and every penalty on Him. But the resurrection proved Him to be a perfect Savior. It proved Him to be a perfect Savior. Why? 
because you read of saviors and heroes and fairy tales that dies for others. We've got statues that we put up everywhere that people die for those people and they're called saviors. Let me give you an example. Say, last year this time we all went into level 5 lockdown because of COVID-19. And say on the news that day, we, um, some out of the world came a news and they said they found one man or a woman. They found one person that is immune towards COVID-19. Totally immune. And they've got the ability to take all of the virus on them and kill the virus for all humanity. But in the process, die. Give their life. What do you think would the media do with that? Quickly, think about that. Statues, talk shows. They would hero this guy. They, didn't, they wouldn't worry what he believes or what religion he is. He saved the world. He saved millions. How much more Jesus, who didn't just die for COVID-19, he died for every sickness, every sin, everything on this earth. And he not just stayed dead, he walked out of that grave and proved that I'm the true savior of the world. I'm the true savior of the world. You see, the resurrection showed and released the absolute power of God. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then he would have been just a prophet. Like the Jews says. And that's why, I mean, it's so ridiculous if you read the scriptures of how the, the, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, ran to the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees and said, the body of Jesus is gone. And they paid them a tremendous amount of money to say, please tell the people that the disciples stole the body. And in one moment and in one bribe, they destroyed the Jewish religion. It says in the scriptures, until today, people believe the lies of the Roman soldiers. You see, the resurrection showed and released the absolute power of God. Let me explain it. See, if the cross was his payment for our sins, the resurrection was the receipt of the payment. The receipt. Now, uh, let me explain it a bit more. If I pay money to go to see a, a show, say I want to go and see a, a music show, big in a stadium, big um, huge show that we have, and when I pay for that show, and I... Pay and I go and I stand at the, at, the, at the entrance. What do people ask? Where's your ticket? Where's your ticket? See, without the ticket, I can't enter the stadium. If I go to a rugby match or wherever, I can pay for it, but I need a receipt. I need a ticket to go in and realize that this is what I paid for. See, the payment itself is of little value without the receipt. The payment itself is of little value without the receipt. And if there were only a cross, Jesus would have been only a prophet. But God wrote that receipt and said, when my son walks out of that cross, I'm giving you something to enter into my grace, to enter into my mercy, to enter into a place of authority and power. 
Listen to Ephesians 1 verse 19 to 20. It says the following. I also pray that you would understand this incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. Who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in a place of honor at, the, at, at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Now the cross was the ultimate demonstration of God's love. Amen? It was the ultimate demonstration of God's love. But the, the empty tomb was the ultimate demonstration of God's power. His power of raising the dead, defeating death. See, Jesus' love released God's power. It's amazing what love can release. Have you ever walked into a relationship that you had very much offense? There was offense in a relationship. Somebody is mad at you. They don't want to talk to you. And suddenly you feel the overbursting, overwhelming feeling of love for them and you go to them and you show them love. How much of offense still stays? Love overshadows everything. But it brings power that says that there is more in love than we could ever think. That's why every time we saw Jesus did a miracle on earth, what happened? He had compassion on them. He had compassion on them and he healed them. He had compassion on them and he fed the 5,000. Every time before there was a miracle, there was compassion. There was a love that released the power of God. See, the resurrection assures us that God's love released the power for us to defeat anything in our lives. Anything in our lives. See, God loved us enough to give us more than just a payment for our sins. He also gave us the receipt with the authority to operate on earth as His sons. You see, we can play church and we can play Christian, but the true power is in the love of Christ. And what love released in our lives on that day of the cross and on the day of the grave was empty, there was power that was released. Ephesians 3, verse 17 to 19 in the New Living Translation says, Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Then listen, he says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. But then he says, May you also experience the love of Christ, though it is, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That is a mouthful. Isn't that such a great scripture? And Paul says, number one, two things. He says, may we understand how great God's love is. Understand. But secondly, he says, may we experience God's love for us. Understand it and experience it. See, Paul says there is an intellectual knowledge and there is an experiential knowledge. Intellectual, experiential. Paul, Paul was saying that if we would experience God's love, it would pass mere intellectual knowledge and cause us to be filled with the fullness of God. So you can know about God's love. 
That's what he says. And when you know it, you know it's, it's big and wide and, and long and massive. It's incredible. It's amazing. And so many people on Easter know about God's love. They hear, a God, uh, hear about God's love. But do we experience it? Because when you experience God's love, suddenly there is a fullness that comes through life and power. You are filled. You are filled. Show us the next verse, Salim. May you experience the love of Christ through it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Don't you want that? I want that. I want the fullness of God where I can have life in abundance. Where can I have the power of God in everything. Now, because of His incredible love for us, He released and restored life and power. What life and power, Henny? Life and power that Adam lost. That Adam lost. Adam and Eve. You remember in John 20, I'm not going to go there today. I'm going to give you a quick I said it actually last year at our Easter service. In John 20, Jesus went out the, um, walked out of the grave. Um, Mary Magdalene and um, what was the second woman? I, I can't remember. Two women met the angel at the grave. He sat on the, on the stone and he said to them, Jesus said, go to Galilee. Go and get the disciples. Go to Galilee and meet Jesus there. When, he, when they met Jesus there, and this is the, um, an account of John, the Gospel of John. I know Matthew, Mark, Luke says it in a bit of a different way. But in the account of John, when Jesus met them in the inner room in Galilee, he said that he breathed on them and tell them, be filled with Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. And when I read that, it reminded me of a, another time when God breathed on someone. Genesis 1. When he made Adam out of the dust of the earth, he went to his nostrils and he breathed life into Adam. And then when Adam came and he lost the authority in the garden because of sin, Jesus had to come and restore. He had to come and restore. And it was so significant, so prophetic. When Jesus met his disciples before he ascended to heaven, he breathed on them. That says, here, let me give you the life and the power back. That Adam lost. Listen to, let me close with this. Jesus, before he rose Lazarus from the dead, he said to Martha, his sister, he said the following, John 11, verse 25. It's on there. There we go. Jesus told, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That means that we have eternal life in Him. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, if you look at the description, resurrection and life, in the Aramaic sense, if you look at the Aramaic context of it, it means the following. It says, Aramaic was the language that Jesus and the disciples spoke. And it was translated from there. So it says, resurrection is superior to life. Resurrection is superior to than life. Why? Because life can be defeated and ended. It can. All of our lives here can be ended, but we will live forever. But resurrection is superior to life. Then he says, resurrection overcome. That's the different definition. 
It's superior and it overcome. And then it says life is the power to exist, but resurrection is the power to conquer all, even death. That's why resurrection was so important, that there will be a conquered all for us as sons of God on this earth. Jesus said, what Adam lost on, in, in the garden, I'm restoring this back to you. And I'm giving you grace instead of law. I'm giving you mercy instead of performance. I'm giving you grace so that you can run with it. So that you can be empowered with it. And as believers, we must live a life in Christ. Also live in Christ our resurrection to conquer all things. In Christ we have love. We live in Christ, the hope of glory. But in Christ there's also resurrection power on the inside of us. When I lay my hands on the sick, and I can tell you so much testimonies, there is resurrection power on the inside of you. I can prove it. I remember I was preaching one night um, as I'm closing um, at a student conference. There was thousands of students, and I was tired. It was busy. Um, I had a great sermon about, um, about signs, wonders, miracles, about the greatness and the power within you. And when I said amen, the only thought in my heart was that I want to go home and lie on my couch, have a coffee and just rest. Because I'm tired now. I had a long weekend. And I just want to pack up my stuff and I want to slip out in the side end here and get out away from all the students. <laughs> and, uh, and as I got my Bible and my notepad and I was heading for the door, there was a girl who was like, sorry, Pastor Henny. I thought, oh, okay, hello, how are you? And she said, no, I wanted to, I wanted, I'm the one that you were looking for. I thought, no, I'm not the one that you were looking for. I've got my wife, thank you. <laughs> she said, no, 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 you're not understanding. You preached that you are looking. I actually said in my sermon that I wanted to pray for the, I want to see the deaf ears open and the blind eyes open, a blessed ble deaf ears open and blind eyes open. And, and I'm looking for people like that. And she said, I'm the one you're looking for. And I said, why are you saying that? So now I was born death in my one ear. And the thought that came in my heart, and it's like, Lord, I am tired. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pray at the moment. Just never mind being faith for a death ear to open. And I thought I was looking for my team. It's like, who can come and pray? So <laughs> I'm tired. And I remember so well, there was nobody. Everybody left outside. And I, I was there to pray, and I just put my hand on her ear. I was tired. I didn't feel it. I didn't feel filled with faith. And I just said, Lord, I just want to command this ear to be open. And immediately she went like this. <gasps> and, and I stepped back, and I started speaking, and I said, close your ear. And so how much can you hear? 50%. No, we prayed again, and it went up to 80%. And, and God did a mighty miracle without me feeling it. Or knowing that, yeah, I feel full of faith. Why? Because there is resurrection power on the inside of you and me. That no matter what you do, no matter where you step into, there is power on the inside of you. I told you the testimony of the guy who fell in front of me with a mountain bike dying in my arms. And all I could get out, holding him as his breath started diminishing, I could see he's dying. All I could say is, thank you, Jesus, because that's the only thing I could get out. I was too shocked. And suddenly, he, after two minutes, literally dying, stood up. God did a miracle, rose, raised him out of death. Did I pray an awesome prayer? Nope. I was scared. All I said is, thank you, Jesus. 
But the resurrection power that resides inside of all of us has the power to release something that we don't, we don't even know. That's why Paul said, we not fully understand the true grace in the gospel, the power of the love of the, cro- of, of the cross and the power of the grave. Philippians 3 verse 10. I'm going to end with this. Jesus told, and sorry, <laughs> and I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. Not around me, not with my prayer, the power working in me. It's like my heart's beating inside of me now. It's working. I'm not doing anything, my heart is beating. I can do nothing, it is how God created me. When you get saved, when you get born again, when God fills you with His Spirit, there is something that is active inside of all of our spirits that you can do nothing about it. You can just be Christ to others. Am I speaking to someone today? In His ultimate act of love, Jesus conquered the cross. And through that, He made a way for us to be with God forever through salvation. Forever. But with the resurrection that we are celebrating today, with the resurrection, He empowered us to know His love and walk in His power. To know His love and to walk in His power. There was love. His love released life and power. It released something. Can I pray with us before we're going to have communion there at the back? Just sit like this and just close your eyes. Father, I thank you. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.